I'm Aysan, it's Friday, and this is The Friday Show. We are two weeks and some hours away from playing Burnley in the opening fixture of the Premier League season. Joining me today to look back on a week of friendlies, look forward to a couple of weeks of potential transfer madness, and generally just figure out how cooked the chicken is in preparation for uh, for two weeks tonight. I have got Mr. Howard Hawking and firstly, Mr. Stephen Tudor. Morning, Steve. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hot, sweaty, yeah. but very good. That's why I asked. Mm. <laughs> I can relate. I mean, it's it, exactly the same here. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating cobs here. <laughs> yeah. I'll get my tiny left-handed violin out for you. Yeah. Hey, son. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard being in a hot place. Mm. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. It's the worst of take... both worlds because yeah. you're hot and you get no sympathy for it. So exactly. it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'd hate exactly. it relentlessly, though. To be honest, yeah. No, rel- relentlessly, it would be difficult. Mr. Yeah. Hawking, how are you anyway? I'm okay, thanks. Definitely not hot. It's probably. I don't need to turn around. It's probably raining, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. It it's Friday, and yeah, I'm having a kebab tonight. Excellent. So all's good. Well, there you go. My mum's done a lot of complaining this week about the rain in Manchester, um, which it's not really like her. She doesn't often complain about the weather, so it must be a lot of rain if 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 she's moaning about it. Uh, but that's a reason to move swiftly on and and focus on something other than the weather. And today we are focusing on surprise, surprise, Manchester City Football Club. Um, so City played two friendlies this week, which. If you're a member of the 9320 player, then you've heard the two reviews that we've done. But if you're not a member of the 9320 player, then we are going to do reviews in a nutshell, just to kind of get everybody's vibe on on how they feel we are shaping up for the new season. So, Steve, I'm going to start with you because I've not done a review with you this week. Uh, mm. Firstly, gen- in a ge- in a very general sense, what do you look for in preseason performances or games? Oh, um, cohesiveness and sharpness uh, above okay. all else. Um, and I've seen more of one than the other. I think there is sharpness there, and we we're just discussing this off air, uh, and we'll come to that very shortly. Cohesiveness, there are too many examples in these two games of City being undone by a direct, straightforward ball. Now, I should a huge caveat to what, what I'm saying here is I believe that negatives are... Conversely, positives in pre-season. Get your mistakes out of the way. Learn from them. If you're going to basically be undone at the back and it's pre-season, fine. Happens there. Just make sure it doesn't happen in the Premier League. Um, So I'm not overly concerned by it, but it'd be wrong if I didn't point it out that... I mean, let's face it, in in kind of 180 minutes of football, City have conceded four goals. Um, So it doesn't matter how little the games matter... Uh, they're still competitive fixtures, and this has still happened. So that is a concern. But in the big picture, it's not a concern at all because, like I say, happen, you know, let it happen now. Learn from them. Tighten mm. up in the back. Close those passing lanes off. Get you know better match match fitness, which will enable to you know close in those passing lanes off and ensure that it doesn't happen when it does matter. Mister Hawking, hello. <laughs> It's it's fitness, really. But I was just thinking, you know, Steve spoke. I'm not going to argue him about the importance of the Community Shield again. But it's quite handy, that game. It's quite handy, that game, in having a 90,000... Yes. You know, friendly, or whatever you want to call it, at Wembley. Because 
you are obliged to take it a bit more seriously. It will be a good, a much better warm up than you know. Firstly, it's in England. Uh, it's better, yeah, the, a pre-season friendly on the other side of the world is half, at least half of that's a PR tour. Uh, football's just a, a a little part of it in a way, and mm. I think the community is very useful actually because to before we get to that Burnley match for them to. We're not looking for them to be, to, you know, in top form or fitness or tactically perfect right now. They're trying to get to that point. We're hoping we see it the first time for the Burnley match, really, or you know, little bits of it in the Arsenal match. So they don't have to be there now. They have to be ready for that Burnley match. And I, I still think we'll be undercooked for the season. There was no other way. There's just no way around mm. it. If you're as successful as City, I mean, you play in a Champions League final almost in mid-June. The players have to have more than a month off. They absolutely have to for the the following nine months that's that's coming. So we may just go into yeah. I know you get to that. We may not be ready for the beginning of the season, but they're fit. There are no injuries as it stands. That community shield will be useful for getting those minutes in the legs and for tactical reasons, I think. So, all in all, you, you're just hoping no one falls to the ground, I think. You get to see a few youth players. You may get little little clues that Pep's cooking up for the next season, tactically. <laughs> uh, but essentially, essentially, it's just a chance to, to ease your way back into football with, without the stress, to be honest. This is a norm, yeah. though, isn't it? This this kind of playing three friendlies now has become the norm under Pep. Mm. So, I mean, you're absolutely right, Howard. Of course, you have to give sufficient time off. And, of course, the Champions League final is a factor. But in other seasons, we haven't reached a Champions League final and we've still played three friendlies and we've still gone into a community shield looking kind of less fit than the opposition. I mean, I can think of two or three examples of this happening where we've been outplayed in the community shield because we're just not at it yet. Um, and... You know, again, big picture. You look at the end of the season and how we are then in comparison to our kind of peers, and we're looking a lot sharper and fitter. So overall, it works this strategy. But I certainly, as a betting man, I won't be putting money on City in the Community Shield. Put it that way. That's interesting. That I I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you. Um, I I feel somehow as though they're a little bit sharper this preseason, um, and I wonder whether there's a kind of there's a virtue in the downside of getting all the way to the Champions League final and, and the virtue in the downside is that there isn't really enough time off to forget what you do so mm. the thing that struck me particularly first half against Bayern Munich was honestly if you compare that to the first 45 of the first leg of the Champions League quarterfinal against Bayern Munich, and you compare the intensity and the number of passes and the number of sprints that people do, I'm fairly sure that the numbers would be quite similar. And mm. I think that is a testament to the level. Like, so I think, one, there's an element of competitiveness, Guardiola and Tuchel. I think Bayern obviously turn up with the idea of, well, they beat us in, in the Champions League quarterfinal, and even if this is a friendly you play if you if you play by if you're Bayern Munich you're like Manchester City you play every game to win the game and what i saw in that half was uh, a city team that don't look far away from 
what they look like in March, April of this year. Now, that's obviously a big shout. It may well be that, as you say, you're right, we get to the to the community shield and we get rolled over. But right now, it doesn't feel like that. It feels as though there's there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that are going to be asked of this collection of city players in the next four months. And most of them are going to be around hunger, desire, a, a kind of how desperately do you want to do this again? Hmm. I've noticed that some of the players, Foden, Diaz, they're already talking about the idea that well, if people think that we're that we're going to lack desire because we did the treble, they're wrong. We're even more hungry to do it again. And I somehow feel as though I'm seeing a little bit of that in flashes in these friendlies. So I feel a little more optimistic. Now, it might well be that the dip comes a bit later. It might well be that we start quickly in August and yeah. maybe even September. And then maybe October, there's suddenly a big drop-off where you begin to feel it in your legs. Maybe that's when the the kind of the depth of the squad is going to become that for the first time this season, it'll become important in that moment. Um, but I'm certainly, I, I feel I feel quietly confident that that we start strong and we start quickly. Um, Howard, just looking at the kind of the contrast between the senior players, because obviously a lot of young players have been given an opportunity in, uh, in the two preseason games. We've seen Lewis. We've seen Palmer, we've seen McAtee, we've seen Bob, and we've seen Maximo Peroni. Me and you didn't really talk about Peroni in the um, in the review that we did, and and a uh, few people pulled me up on that and said they were really impressed with his performance too. So, as a general thing, not to try and single out individuals, but as a general sense of the disparity between what we consider to be senior players and and the younger players. How did you find the disparity this preseason? Did they look like kids playing with grown-ups? No, I don't. I think we've passed that point, really. <laughs> I think uh, we, what we did discuss, I mean, I wasn't, I watched the game, but I wasn't glued to the screen as if it was like a Champions League final, I'll be honest. So I can't give you a precise, you know, like mark out of 10 for every single player. But, I mean, you've got plenty of, but, Ten years, what we did discuss like ten years ago, or whatever. You felt that youth players were there sometimes playing just for the sake of it on preseason. I, I almost felt like, oh, it's a good, it's a good opportunity to see a few youth players, but I'll probably never see them again. Maybe <laughs> uh, not in the senior team, not in a big game. Definitely now, when I see youth players, I'm there's a fair chance of 50-50% they'll be in the senior squad the next season. And you don't see much of a difference, I don't think. But then again, I have to use the same caveat. It's a pre-season friendly. So, I mean, Jack Grealish hasn't... You know, you could compare Bob or any McAtee or anyone to Jack Grealish in pre-season and say, yeah, they played as well as him, but he didn't really do that much. But then he doesn't have to because I'm just wanting him to get fit and I know what Jack Grealish can do after that second season. So they've got a lot more on the line. They've got a lot more to prove, but absolutely, they don't look out of place. And I think in our head, we've said like Perone didn't cost much. There, therefore, maybe we we sometimes like just dismiss players because of their transfer mm. fee. Uh, 
when really he could be a future first-teamer. We mentioned Sinchenko as an example. He could have as big a part to play as Sinchenko, or he could have none. We don't know because we haven't seen much of him. But he has looked tidy when he's played. Maybe we have to rethink how we think about these things. If we bought him for £60 million, we'd be watching him a lot more intently, wouldn't we? But he'd still Mm. be the same player doing the same things. So maybe we need to look at things a bit different. But they absolutely don't look out of place anymore. Uh, the, The quality of youth players that's coming through is... I mean, again, we mentioned it in the reviews. The ones that aren't playing in this preseason that never get to play for the senior side were selling off for fifteen million pounds a lot of the time, or twenty million pounds. Uh, these are the ones that Pep wants to keep, so it's no surprise really that they 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 don't look out of place when they step on the pitch. They might. I'm not saying they're on good to one levels, but they certainly don't look out of place. So. Do you know what's interesting, How is the word you used there, tidy, and, and you also mm. said about us having to look at things differently, and I think we do in the last kind of three or four years now in pre-season, because it used to be growing up and going right up you know, to the Pep Guardiola era, where if you're watching a, a pre-season friendly, particularly if it's an attacking footballer, you're looking for them to do something special, to take on a player, you know, to really stand out. Now, the culture of football, largely propagated by Guardiola, means that you're not looking for that. You're looking for tidiness, aren't you? And in these kind of kids coming through, you see that time and time again, just how tidy they are, how kind of, how they keep things simple, how they're confident in their ability enough to not need to be flashy as such, but to just, you know, keep the move going and keep the attacking build-up going. Um, And we've seen that in particular from Oscar Bob, um, but also, you know, McAtee as well, who's excellent in that regard, I think. I think McAtee just, he just knits everything, you know. Um, and, and, and that's what we're looking for these days from the kids, and we've seen it. Mm, Can I ask you I something think- that we discussed yesterday, Steve? Do you think they're under pressure, the youth players, in these sort of games, knowing they'll only get 45 minutes to impress? As I say, Jack Grealish doesn't have to prove anything, nor does Diaz, nor does anyone, you know, the players who have just won a treble. Do, do you feel, when you looked at, when you look at, are we trying to analyse the performance of McAtee, who didn't stand out but wasn't bad either? Yeah. I think they're under pressure now to, to like, oh, put themselves in the window for Pep to say, I've got well, a part to play in it. Yeah, that, that kind of feeds into what I'm saying, though. It, it, it's mm. having the confidence in your own ability to not feel that pressure to yeah. show off. You know, none of it, that's, that's exactly the phrase I was, I was searching for there. None of them you know, need to show off. And that in itself is a virtue under Pep Guardiola. He's watching McAtee just play his usual game, keep things simple, not lose possession, do the right things. That's a key thing, to do the right things. And if he does that, he may not stand out. He may not be man of a match. But Pep's thinking, yeah, I like that. And so in doing, by not impressing, he has impressed, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's spot on. I think there's a uh, there's an element of, um, I think... The normal thing is to want a player to do something eye-catching and then you go, oh, he's ready for the first team. Look, he just beat four men and blammed it in the top mm. corner. Yeah. Now, everybody loves it when you beat four men and blam it in the top corner, except for Pep Guardiola, who will probably <laughs> go, well, you know what, mate? Nine times out of 10, you're mm. not blamming it in the top corner and we've lost the ball and that wasn't the right moment for you to do what you've just done. So I think seeing young players, as as Howard said, as you said, Steve, knitting into the system is probably more important than doing something 
eye-catching. Now, Steve, I've got a, a question. I want to stick with the idea of young players and how we look at them because it's something that I've I've found a really super interesting debate developing online in the last week. And that is you have those people who will say something along the lines of, look, I don't give a shit about young players. I am here to win things. And all I want is for Man City to have the best 11. And every preseason, you'll get excited about some young player and then he disappears mm. forever. Then you got people like me who... Now, I'm not saying that like I'm some sort of oracle of football, not at all, but this preseason more than maybe there's there's two other preseasons and two other moments where I've looked at a player and I've genuinely gone, oh, wow, all right, you're top. One was Phil Foden when he appeared in preseason and you went, blimey, he really is as good as they say he is. And the second was Rico Lewis last, last summer where – that game against Bayern, it was just like, who is this kid? <laughs> and so for me, this preseason, I've found myself genuinely looking at McAtee, Bob, and Lewis in particular, the three of them, and going, no, I, I, want, I don't want anything that blocks them from being given an opportunity mm. this season. I don't want to be put in a position where we go and sign three 29-year-old fellas like Kovacic, no, who's been amazing this preseason, and we'll come to him. Um, but I don't want to sign three fellas that block the pathway of these three lads until we know that they're not ready. And right now, in the very small sample size I've seen, feels to me like they're ready. Now, my question for you, Steve, is not whether you feel they're ready or not, but what's where do you land in this conversation? Am I am I being overly optimistic? Are we are the standards so high at City that I need to basically chill out with the Oscar Bob fanboying? <laughs> not at all. In I, I, of those, go on. I'm sorry, go, well, I, I was just going to kind of extend on what you're saying as well because me and Howard have previously talked about um, when you uh, your role as a supporter. You're forgetting about Pep and what he's thinking and the club and all the rest of it, but just from our own personal perspective, what do you want from these young players and what do you want from the city? So there is a balancing act there because they will make mistakes and they won't be at that kind of high level of, you know, a 29-year-old, as you say. Um, but what they've got is potential to be higher than that 29-year-old in seasons yeah. to come. Um, and ingrained with the experience of playing, you know, 50 plus games under Pep Guardiola. So there is a balance there. And what me and I think it was me and you, Howard, correct me if I'm wrong, we we're saying that we've just won a treble. So, as from a fan's perspective, we also love to see is Rico Lewis come through, McAtee get 20 plus games, Oscar Bob really start to make establish himself within the city framework. That is immensely important to me because I want to see these kids come through. There is nothing more exciting as a fan as to see someone come through the system and just show what they've got to the world in, in your club's shirt. So so I'm sorry, I know I'm answering it from a different kind of slant, but answering it from a fan perspective, it's hugely important to me. And I'm guessing it is to you too, Asan, that you want to see. Massively so. Yeah. Massive. yeah. I, think, I think when you're, the thing is when you see, it's about, it's about the level of, talent and potential that they have and when you see young guys with the potential and the maturity already to seem like they can slot in seamlessly into the city first team i think it would be remiss 
to not give them the opportunity yeah. to establish themselves. And that's all I would like to see is for them to be afforded an opportunity to establish themselves. W will they though? In your opinion, do you think they will? Yes, because I think that Guardiola last season played Rico Lewis in moments where nobody expected him to play. Yeah, you got to remember yeah. that he was playing Lewis when Walker and Cancelo were both in, in the, in the squad. And so that's huge. That's a that's a shot across the bows of almost the entire squad that doesn't matter how much you get paid or how senior you think you are. If I think somebody else is doing something better, then I will play them. And I think even if you look at the comments that he made about how Rico Lewis changed the season because Rico Lewis set the blueprint for John Stones, for Kyle Walker, for Manila Kanji. When all of these lads had to play that right back into midfield role, the videos they got shown were the videos of Rico Lewis. Did. <laughs> he did it better than all of them. Yeah. And that's, that shows that Pep is somebody who, if you do the right things tactically, you're the guy. I found it found it really interesting. Marty Perrinow tweeted yesterday or the day before, day before, not with any irony, not with any sarcasm. Really bluntly, Rico Lewis in the number eight position is Philip Lahm, and for somebody like Marty, who was so close to Pep, spent so much time in Germany at Bayern around that time that Pep was coaching and developing Lahm, that's really, really, really high praise, and that mm. gets me really excited i mean um go on, he's uh, rico lewis is the 18 year old but he's really the one that's not part of this conversation of i agree yeah yeah does the future i think he's uh, he's close to advanced that already to be honest he is part of the squad it's just a given now uh yeah it's the older ones that are more like well we don't know what the future is and the fact that they are older means they do need football and that's part of the dilemma of you know they mm. do need bob's 20 they need to play. Peroni needs to play. Uh, James McAtee, of course, needs to play. And Cole Palmer needs to play. I'd much, much prefer they played it for City, but if they're going to sit on the bench most of the season, that's not helping anyone. Uh, I don't have the answers either. So, But Pep has a small squad. There is room to use them. And as you said on the review, they may... There's, a fair chance you can't put a number on it, but there's a fair chance they won't be as lucky with it. It's not all luck, but they won't have the you know so little injuries next season. So you need that squad, and there will be opportunities. You've got three of games to play in two new competitions abroad, plus the usual season, plus mm. you know sixty plus games probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, we also said, if you can't do this when you've just won the treble, then when can you do it? But I disagreed when we had the previous conversation, Steve. I disagreed a bit. You you hinted that the City fan base, and again, can't generalise, there'll be different opinions, yeah. would be would sacrifice some success next season to get youth in. Yeah. I'm I'm just not convinced about that. I think the desire to have to win everything and and you know you've seen two weeks from after the Champions League there were people already panicking at our squad. For next <laughs> yeah, I know it's true, and it's but no guess, better now. So you know you can't speak for I'm not sp spoke with you know what will be will be, but I do think some would just say go and buy those sixty million pound players. I want to win everything again next season, but. I guess the there's point room is, for both. There's room for both. 
Yeah, there is room for both. But I think the point actually is more that going and buying 60 million pound players or 40 or 50 million pound players does not guarantee you anything because there is a level of acceptance that it takes time to adapt to Guardiola's ways and methods. The kids at the club, they've been playing that way since they were 12, 13 years old. They know what they need to do when they step into the first team. If you go and sign a lad from Leeds, right? He can be 26 and he can be an England international. He he can have played under a top coach, but there's still no guarantee that when he (laughs) steps in, he'll he'll understand quickly what it is that he needs to do. So I I actually, uh, I slightly disagree in this, only in the sense that I think if you're going to replace four or five players, you're going to take a step backwards. It's just physically impossible, I think, that you sign, you let four or five lads go, you bring four or five lads in, unless you're going to spend 500 million pounds, right? But it's impossible that you bring four or five lads in, you don't go backwards a little bit. So I guess the conversation becomes, how do you want to go backwards? Do you want to go backwards with a fellow that you signed from Villa for 50 million quid? Or do you want to go backwards with a 20-year-old who's got the ceiling to be as good as David Silver, and I'm just plucked that name out of thin air, but you get the point that I'm making. Hmm. So well, I do think there's more, I think there's much more leeway for young academy players to step into the team and maybe not quite hit the heights. And I think the other thing to remember is that online is not the real world. Because I think that online, oftentimes, you can get a very extreme polarized version of the truth. I saw a lot of stuff, for example, about Cole Palmer in the last 12 months online that was just completely disconnected from reality and just, you know, Mm. just felt like kids stamping their feet going, oh, shit. It's just like, yeah, come on. All right. we. That's not that's not really constructive and I'm not sure you can judge a player who who literally got like one star or something like that. Now, obviously that speaks to maybe he wasn't quite doing it in training, but it's almost mm. a different conversation. Can, um, can I ask another question? Can I ask both of you a question? Go on. The, the challenge for Pep is the intensity, of course, of maintaining it with you briefly discussed on this podcast next season. Is that not also the great advantage of bringing youth in? Yeah, yeah. Are those three in the squad, will they not help that desire and intensity to keep it going next season? Because they'll have it, and that feeds into a lot of other players as well, so... Well, as as my good friend Emmanuel Petit said to me the other day... (laughs) Go on, lad. (laughs) He said... um, (laughs) He said... just been dropped, everybody mind your toes. He Sorry, said that Arsenal's biggest strength over City, and I think he actually said their only strength over Manchester City, is that they've got a young team who are desperate to win silverware because they haven't done so so far. So that would feed into that as well because, you know, that is a factor. It has to be said that I'm not expecting complacency from, from City. Maybe one or two might show 10% of it. Um, it's just inevitable. But I'm not expecting it to be a problem. But still... I can't compete against a young squad in terms of desire I'm talking about and only desire. You know, they've not achieved that yet. They are desperate to do that, Arsenal. So if you bring young players into the team, that just that just levels that playing field right off the bat. I completely agree. I'm I'm really interested in the team selection for the charity shield and I would I'm going to go out on a limb now and say that first game against Burnley, one of the kids we're talking about starts. 
the mad thing is, is when you say that, I'm, as I Howard said earlier, I'm not even thinking Rico Lewis. I'm not even putting him in that category anymore. And yet he's mm. the youngest of a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna be an interesting um interesting ten days, two weeks in the build up to that game. And and I certainly think the uh, charity shield will be will give us a little bit of a clue as to how we're shaping up. Um I wonder well, I mean, obviously we've played two completely different teams in both of the friendlies, in both halves of each friendly so far. I, w- I expect they'll do the same thing on Sunday against Atletico Madrid. So I think it really will be the Community Shield or the Charity mm. Shield that will give us an idea of who Pep is happy with, who, you know, who looks fit, who looks intense, and who maybe still looks a little bit leggy, for want of a better word. And, and even that, because we play so few friendlies, even the Community Shield is, you know, and okay, you're going to love me saying this, Howard, but it has now become a glorified friendly. Um, it shouldn't be, and it isn't, but that's what it's become. Um, so we will see in the Community Shield, you know, Harlan brought off after 50 minutes, for example, or, you know, some substitutions which aren't kind of um, directly influenced by the game itself, but more to do with fitness levels. And, and so e- even there, we, we will see that, which saddens me immensely, to be honest, because I love the Community Shield. Why? I mean, it's a real trophy. <laughs> It's a, it's a real trophy. I, I I never want to engage with Howard when it's just me and him on a podcast and he says it's not a real trophy because that would just be, yeah. you know, it would be kind of pointless. Yeah. But now there's two of us and one of him. Yeah. It's quite clearly no, a real trophy. To be honest, you've won me around. I was sat there in the Ataturk Stadium as they paraded the Champions oh. League trophy and I thought, well, yeah, it's been a great season, but... <sighs> We didn't get that community shield at the beginning of it all, did we? So I knew you were going that way as soon as you, as soon as that sentence began. I knew I such regret, bittersweet treble is how I described it to my friend at the time because we didn't win that community shield. But let him be (laughs) sarky. But there are different reasons to it. I mean, you know, through no fault of its own, you've got obviously the Champions League, so big clubs now have their their schedules full of big games, so it's less special. moving around in terms of the kickoff times doesn't help either um, no. nor does the fact that you know now pre-season has these glamorous tournaments and it has City against Bayern Munich etc whereas in the past that wasn't the case it was City v Rochdale and suddenly we're, we'd be at Wembley playing you know Arsenal so um so we've already seen, you know, kind of the Harlands and, and Foden's, etc. So it's not going to be so special when it's at Wembley. None of that is the Community Shield's fault, I think. I think it's been given a raw deal over the years. Uh, and, uh, it's timing as well. It's in August, so before the start of the season, so... Mm. Always been the case though, and then it used to be a special. I know, but it's event. hard for you. It's hard for the players. Yeah, they're not going to be giving it all. It is part of a oh, yeah, yeah. to a yeah. domestic season, so it is what it is. So. I don't know. Football's answer to Scrooge has spoken. We, yeah. we can't say anything else now because, you know, yeah. the players won't be giving it their all, so well, we better don't. not give it our all either. No, well, they don't. I mean, historically, they don't <laughs> care about it. Historically, they okay. do, Howard. That's my point. Historically, they used to give a great yeah. deal about it. Hence, you know, well, Billy Jack, Jack Grealish is well up for it, so yeah, he's Jack Grealish is bothered. Yeah, he's exactly. bothered. But, you know, Asan was dissing the Seville game, so which is the bigger one? 
I'd rather win that one because it's never been done before. But again, it's not the end of the world if we don't. So yeah, and I agree, I'd agree with that point on basis that we've not won it before. But um, mm. yeah, back in the day, we used to care about. It. I I used to have so many happy summer holidays in caravan parks around the UK, watching the Charity Shield and Leeds beating Liverpool four three and all the rest of it. A gloriously sunny Wembley, and then you know that football's back and you've had a really boring summer of exactly. cricket, and now football is back. It's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. Well, it's okay. no full members' cup, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, I agree with that. Enough charity shield chat, boys. Um, on Community. The, I, 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 want to, I want to continue the theme of accentuating positives. Um, I have really enjoyed the two 45 minutes I've seen from Mateo Kovacic. Um, first question for you, Howard, is on a scale of 1 to 10, how exciting did you find this transfer when it was announced oh i think it's a great signing but it's, it's still only a, a seven out of ten okay, because that's still pr- pretty high for me well they don't have to be exciting <laughs> this uh, if our recruitment sort me anything in the last five years ten years or whatever they don't have to be exciting you know, uh, part of me wants us to go out there with this huge war chest and just buy someone exciting, but we not won all these trophies by doing stupid stuff like that. Leave that to United, doing buying, making PR purchases. City will buy according to their needs in the squad. And what I've seen in the friendlies is exactly what I knew he would uh, give us. He's a great squad addition. That's why it doesn't get to a 10 out of 10. It's not filled... He's not a Gundogan replacement. We're not going to have one, probably. And he don't fill some gaping hole that we need. But I think, especially, you know, a year left his contract, getting him for what? Was it under 30 million? Won the mm. Champions League four times, even if he didn't play every minute of the finals. He's seasoned international 29-year-old. And he showed what he's neat, tidy. He's brilliant on the ball. He will be... Just part of that wall, basically. If Gavardiol comes in and, you know, we've got Rodri and we've got the likes of Kovacic, then that is some... And it's quite exciting how more physical as well and imposing yes. or yeah. back for four, five, six, seven, whatever you want to call it, is. And it's quite a wall he creates. He's... I think he'll surprise quite a few, even though we should know quite a lot about him with his passing. But also... I don't think he's no fox in the box. Let's be honest. Uh, I think he's, if he has a weakness, it is the higher he gets up the pitch, a bit of altitude sickness there. But I don't think we bought him for attacking intent, though you would hope he does. He will chip in with a few goals, you know, because they're all capable. I mean, every, our goalkeeper's capable of scoring five plus goals a season. Everyone in that team's capable of scoring five goals plus in a season and he will do that but I, yeah I just think he's a he just fits he's a pet player he'll he'll take on board he'll recycle the ball it'll be very hard to get it off him and he'll be a progressive passer I, yeah he's a really good addition and as I said funny you know you doesn't I have to be it, exciting I feel as though you've just described Gundo and yet you began the conversation by saying he's not Gundo's replacement um, mm. Steve I think it'll be has, deeper I think he's it 
original position, yeah, his average position will be deeper in a way. So yeah, I see what you say. I mean, so Steve, I think that there's there's two sides to this, um, and I think Howard touched on them both very neatly there. For you, what do you think is going to be more important as the season unfolds? What Kovacic brings in the penalty area in terms of goals and assists, or what he brings in terms of what I would, I guess, characterize as stability and solidity. It's definitely the latter. If you look at the last recent seasons of City with the false nine and then Haaland, very, very different means of attack. And you look at how the how kind of goal percentages shift from, you know, a, a cluster of players to a to an individual. Um, yeah, it's not ideal to lose Gundo's kind of 10 plus goals a season, but they'll they'll come from elsewhere we've seen this happen time and time again they will come from elsewhere we're not going to be 10 goals down this season they'll simply be scored by Jack Grealish where ordinarily it would have been Gundo for example so if you factor that in and if you acknowledge that then what we've signed is a player who I just rate the pants off I mean Kovacic every time I've seen Chelsea he has stood out for me as just this outstanding practitioner of you know midfielding, just doing everything everything right. A great phrase from Howard then, like progressive passing. That is his one of his biggest strengths. Um, he's an intelligent passer of the ball. He's intelligent on the ball. Um, I I love watching him. And I, I if I remember rightly, there's been at least three occasions where either City have played Chelsea or Chelsea have been in a big game, and we've all gone on WhatsApp and gone. Kovacic, what a player he is. And now we've got him. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited by it. It's a really sensible signing as well. Yeah, I think one of the things that's going to happen is nailed on this season, Kovacic is going to play in a game which we consider to be a massive game. So whether it be Arsenal mm. away or in a Champions League, he's going to play a game where at the end of it, everybody's going to go, my God, what a bargain he was. Because... I guess that, and it's funny because I can't help but make comparisons to Gundo, even though Gundo was a lot old, younger when he came. It's that similar idea that when we signed Gundogan, a lot of people were just a bit meh. They were a bit seven out of 10. They were a bit like six out of 10 even. They were a bit like, I'm not sure about him. And obviously he came in injured and that didn't help. And then he did his ACL and that didn't help. But the point is that there was a moment where suddenly Gundo went from being like, who is this fella? I remember conversations around the idea that Gundogan and Bernardo Silva can't play in the same team together because we play too slow and they both pass backwards and it's not very good. And it's crazy now to think how important those two have been to everything that's happened in the last two or three years. And yet, if you go a little bit further back, there was a, a proper Debbie Downer on the pair of them, um, and particularly on Gundo. So I think with Kovacic, he, in his first season at City, guaranteed is going to have a game that's going to make everybody go, all right, that's just an, uh, a bargain. You, you yeah. can't argue mm. with that. Fitness is uh, everything, though. I mean, his fitness record is not the greatest. So if we can keep him reliably fit for, throughout the season, he is going to be a great signing. No spot question. on. That was my only my only worry uh, when we were being linked with him was his injury record. But then I also look at the way that our medical department yes. handles the squad in general, and yeah. they have we have a really good record of 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 knowing how to keep players fit 
for long periods of time and also for bringing players back, not rushing them back, but getting them fit quicker than we would expect them to be fit. Um, so I'll just say, Gundogan, yeah, to repeat, Gundogan scored 22 goals in his first four seasons at City. Mm. And when he did score, he tends to be doing what we just Steve alluded to before. He, he would fill a gap. When we needed yeah. goals, he, he would step in and score goals. And when there's a gap, someone always steps in in this team. We always score more than everyone else. So, yeah, yeah. it might not be coverages, but you know, it could be a time for Foden to score well over 20 goals this season. Mm. Or, well, it's or, that. I mean, or Grealish I to get into double figures easily and so on. And then we still end up with the same number of goals scored, you know. Yeah, and I don't want to get too tactical or technical, but I, I do feel as though a little bit, I kind of look at Kovacic as... A player like Kovacic playing next to Rodri or in the same midfield as Rodri, I think the idea is that whether De Bruyne is playing or Foden is playing or McAtee is playing, whoever makes up that third midfielder, they basically go and stand next to Haaland. So it mm. becomes more of a four four two or four two three one or however you want to however you want to characterize it, um, or three diamond three or three diamond two or whatever it was the the classic johan cruyff shape that somebody earlier in the summer sent me and went look this is what city did last season um but yeah i i do think that kovacic is going to allow the attacking players to attack more and it's going to give them a little bit more freedom which i think is more important than worrying about whether he'll score goals like gundo because gundo didn't score goals like gundo when he arrived in the mm. team um okay gentlemen now kovacic is our only summer signing so far am i right there yes excellent so then my question is um steve i'm going to start with you how do you feel about this transfer window been a lot of angst a lot of people you know very concerned a lot of people very critical of city um, and then there's been some people like me who were critical at the beginning and now just feel like they want to happy clap their way into the Burnley game. So where do you stand? <laughs> Before we get into the specifics of potential incomings, where do you stand on uh, on the window so far? How do you feel? Uh, it's been a really odd one because it feels like a huge exodus is imminent, but it hasn't happened to date. And what, what are we now? It's like... Are we four weeks away from the closing of a transfer window or getting close to Near that enough. now? Um, so we're getting to, to the tail end of this transfer window now and we've basically had, we've signed one player and let one player go. And of course, obviously there's, you know, Shane Charles and, and James Trafford. But if we're talking about established first team, one in, one out, both midfielders, as we've just discussed there, you know, one has basically been brought in to replace the other, even if they're not of a similar like kind of setup of player. So there's not a lot has happened, and yet it feels like it's just right now on the precipice of this huge exodus that we're gonna have to resolve very quickly. Now that is my concern. That actually brings me to my only concern, which is what if this does happen? What if, you know, Kyle Walker goes and the port goes and, you know, let's let's say three players leave in the next kind of three, four weeks. That's an awful lot of players we need to bring in in a very short space of time. So that's my only concern. The rest of it has just been kind of noise. It's been noise about what we were expecting to happen, but has not thus far happened. Mm. Can Is I there... suggest, Asander, part of the issue... Part of the issue is City have to be reactive now because we don't know who's leaving. Yeah. 
That makes yeah. sense. It's not ideal, That's a is it? bit. It's frustrating, if not, if more more than anything, in a way. Yes and no. I think hmm. we city work in city work in the shadows so much, and they're so quiet, and they're so different to almost every other football club in how they manage the kind of PR of the transfer window that you could almost imagine a scenario where City already know if Kyle Walker goes, we're going to do X, yeah? If that guy goes, we're going to do Y. Um, I don't think we're as... I had a moment of... I definitely had a moment a few weeks ago where I was like, oh, what are they doing? Like, you know, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not, they, they seem to be sitting on their hands. Um, but I've kind of moved away from that. I feel much more like, look, Number one, I don't think that the board of directors and the people who run the club are going to leave Guardiola hanging. I think if Pep goes, so what happened last year, preseason begins, Guardiola goes to Bagaristan day two, and he says, I'm worried about the defenders. I think I need another centre-half. And they go and they they find a Kanji and they bring a Kanji in. And that's because Pep asks for a player. So I feel as though the first port of call in analysing the squad and the window is always, how do we think Pep feels? I think if Guardiola's going, I'm all right, then I'm not massively worried. I think the other thing is that I feel, and not to go back to the the, the point about kids, I feel as though, so very, from a purely numbers point of view, Gundogan left and Kovacic came in. So net zero, Mares has left. We've not left yet. It's not official, but we presume he'll go. Mares has left. Now, this is where it gets interesting. My point is, if you bring McAtee and Bob both into the first team set up, there's no point in signing another player to play on that side. Not unless you can go and sign Vinicius Jr. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, if you can go and sign a player that instantly you know is world-class and is just going to kill it, fine, do it. But don't go and spend 50 million quid on some release clause lad from, you know, Holland or Spain just to put a body in the pathway of Oscar Bob or, in fact, McAtee. I think that you have to give those players space. And I think a little bit, I'm a bit, uh, not critical, but I'm disappointed in how Cole Palmer was handled last season, only in so far as his position is right wing. And the one position he mm. never got an opportunity to play last season was right wing. And the reason he didn't get, get, get that opportunity because Guardiola was trying to keep Mares and Bernardo happy. And I think that at some point, if you've got talented kids, you got to go, you know what? I'm going to take the risk here and get rid of one of these and give the kid a year. And so I'm hoping that this year they give a kid a year rather than, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't buy somebody. I'm just saying if you buy somebody, buy Leroy Sane, buy Vinicius Jr., buy a lad who you absolutely know is going to make a serious difference in to the quality of your squad, to the levels, everything. A player who just steps in and slots in and knows exactly what to do, fine. You can go and get that guy, but not for not for another young player. That's that's my take. Anyway, Steve, do you do you disagree? I 100% agree. And and we get back to the player we haven't discussed yet, which is key to everything as regards to how I feel about this summer and the following season, which is Bernardo. If Bernardo stays, then I can take the loss of Mares. Um, if Bernardo goes, we're in trouble. 
because, you know, as we all know, Bernardo fills many roles. He is more than just a single player. Um, he's not, you know, he's not a gundo who you can bring in another midfielder to replace. You can't replace Bernardo Silva. Uh, so that is my big concern. If someone told me right now Bernardo Silva stays this, this summer, then frankly, I'll be watching the rest of the developments with a degree of detachment because it's like, we're, we're going to be okay. That's how important he is to me. You couldn't give a damn, yeah. I couldn't give a damn. I'd be watching it with detachment, you know, with with interest rather than with investment um, because I know we'll be okay. We've got kids in other areas who can come in. um, We've got the ability to go out and muscle other teams and bring in, you know, Leroy Sane if that's the player we want. But you can't replace Bernardo Silva. He is fundamentally key to how I feel about this summer and this season. Steve? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the guarantee now that from this day forward, between now and the end of the transfer window, Bernardo Silva goes nowhere. Hmm. Whoa, that's, do a big, that's a big shout. That is a, yeah, that's a fairly huge comfortable, shout. Fairly comfortable with that, uh, with that uh, prognosis. Well, it is, mm. I'm looking forward to a very happy weekend. Then. <laughs> mm. we all Howard, are. what are you going can to I, say? Can I ask just one question as well then? What are your expectations from beginning of summer to end? Do, wow, well, do you expect, like, after, I'll just say, like, maybe after a treble, but after, say, we've won a league or whatever, do you just want, do you expect us to be stronger at the end of the summer, or do you just, or this summer, will you be perfectly happy if we're exactly the same level, even if people have come and gone and whatever? If you perceive us to be the same level starting the season as we ended last, would that make you happy? Or in your head as a fan, do you, th- do you expect us to get, slightly stronger season on season if you stand still you go backwards that's Mm. my position on the transfer window it doesn't matter how good you are it doesn't matter how strong you think your squad is it doesn't matter how top you think your manager is i think if you stand still you do go backwards i think that's just a reality i think where we're lucky is that we are standing still from a point of yeah strong superiority where we can almost afford a year or a summer of standing still my expectation my expectation going into the summer and why i feel a little bit um what's the i don't know what the right word is but i'm i'm not as enthusiastic uh as other people about the idea of keeping everybody together i said in the bill in the run-up to the end of the season i said look if we can sell if we get rid of gundo bernardo kdb uh, K- kdb no sorry <laughs> walker and uh walker well, and Mares, right those four right if those four go and we bring in four players to replace them, then that's exactly the sort of reset that you should be doing after a treble when you look at the age of those players. And the only reason I had Bernardo Silva in that list was because his seeming desperation to leave. I think a lot of people have forgotten the interview that he did in January, where he basically said, I want a new challenge. I'm not really happy in Manchester. I I, I really hope that I get an opportunity to move on, right? So for me, as we were coming to the end of the season, I was more looking at it from a point of view of have a massive summer, let four go, spend 300 million, bring four big players in and say to the world of football, we've done the treble and we're not standing still. 
we're going to go big here. We're, mm-hmm. It's going to be even harder to stop us. Now, obviously, that's not exactly what has happened, but in bits, it's happening. So Mares is gone. I think Kyle probably is the most likely of, of, of Kyle and Laporte are the two most likely to go. I do think Vardiol probably ends up happening now, judging by the mood music of the last 48 hours. So it's not the hard refresh that I was looking for, but it's a step towards that hard refresh. Sorry, Howard, that was me. Now, I was going to add an additional question for you, really. The better we get, the harder it is to strengthen in the summer, is it not? Absolutely. In a way. Yeah. That standing still or being of the same level isn't such a bad thing, Steve. Well, Aysan basically said exactly how I've been feeling for much of this summer and going into this summer as well, which is that in every previous summer in the Guardiola era, I have felt, right, we're in a position of strength, let's build. Now's the time to, you know, to, to, to refresh and, and go again and, and strengthen from that position of strength. That's what the great teams do. And um, this season, this summer, I should say, very different feelings for me. It's like this this team, what I'm seeing right now, is nigh on complete and there's enough margin of for improvement to think for a year we can figuratively stand still. Um and that's how I've that's how I felt about this summer. That's why I've been relatively blase about the whole thing, um, bar you know, the uncertainty surrounding Bernardo Silva. It's a case of yeah, I, I I don't want us to go out and and bring in you know a, another superstar. It's you know last season we needed Haaland. Sure, this summer we don't. I'm happy for us to kind of just go again, as mm. as long as the mentality is there and there is very little complacency. And Pep Guardiola will sniff that out in an instant from from players from individuals. So as long as that is kept to an absolute minimum, by which I mean. It has to exist. It's human nature for it to exist. But as long as it's kept to a minimum, I'm very happy to go again with this squad because there is another year left in them. And then we refresh. How do you go about, it's an interesting way to kind of begin to come into the final part of this podcast, kind of looking forward to 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 the to the community shield and then two weeks today Burnley, um, Howard. How does Guardiola go about ensuring that that there is no complacency? <laughs> if I had the answer to that, I'd be earning big bucks. So <laughs> I think Steve's touching it. He'll know on the training. Pitch. He'll sniff it out. Are you sniff better it out than anyone? Out. Yeah, absolutely. I asked the under 30 quit the uh, 30 random questions what's the bigger achievement a treble or winning four Premier Leagues on the road because uh, my point was maintaining that intensity is probably the hardest job hardest part of Pep's job like winning the first time is an achievement but then having to do it repeatedly of course is perhaps as difficult so complacency blimey uh, that's why you give him a full summer off that's why you work him hard, and that's why he—that's why he's intense and in their head all the time. He doesn't let them rest. Yeah. yeah. So, as you say, he'll know. I think you can—you just you're you're reading people basically, aren't you? If you see someone who doesn't look like they're they're ready to go again and do it all again for nine months, then expect to see them on the bench. Yeah. At least for that week, maybe the week after. <laughs> Happy faces, isn't it? It's happy. That's how he knows. Happy faces. Uh, 
Mm. I think I think one of the things we're quite lucky with, and Steve, I'll, I'll throw this over to you, is do you feel the squad is is relatively self motivated? When you look at you look kind of look go through some of the individuals, you look at Diaz or Stones or Kyle or Rodri or KDB, Foden, Jack, Erling. I mean, there's not really is there anybody that you look at and you go, hmm, he needs a little a little kick kick up the bum now and again? Um there honestly isn't, to be honest, because these are kind of proven winners. These are players who just have that mindset. And once you've got that mindset, if that, it doesn't go. They've got that. They'll have that now for the rest of their careers, which is why in two or three years' time, clubs will be looking to sign these players, not just based on their quality, but what their mindset will be and how that will influence their own dressing rooms. You know, if you're looking at players like John Stones when he's 32, for example, Clubs like Everton will be signing him, not just because of his defensive attributes, but because he's John Stones, because he's won so much year on year on year at City and what that mindset can can give Everton, for example. Um, so, yeah, we've got these players now, in a lot of them in their prime, a lot of them approaching their prime. Um, the, a, an important factor for me, if we're talking about mentality and mindset, and we're talking about potential refreshes and all the rest of it is you only, if you just concentrated on that, if you're talking about complacency and mindset, you only need to bring in one or two players, new players to completely change the dynamic of a group. So you brought in or kind of one off. Or, or <laughs> sack one off. That's a perfect example though, isn't it? I mean, with Cancelo, it's a perfect example last season and, and you know, what, what that did to this squad. So yeah, absolutely. So if you bring in Cavardiol, for example, um, and you've got kind of Kovacic, that might be enough to just change it, just keep it all fresh, to have those two players in the changing room who are offering something a bit different, different banter, different kind of discussions, different kind of um, intentions and aspirations. Well, that might be enough. You don't need to bring in four or five new players in that regard. They'll have a different assistant. That too, yeah. Again. So. Yeah, that too, yeah. But, you know, someone like Ferguson wanted to keep it fresh on the training ground and he didn't choose to have uh, all his assistants go and take jobs. But that's a, he's a victim of his own success, Pep. But it probably does help keep it fresh. Well, Ferguson uh, did, didn't he? You know, Ferguson did yeah. with his assistants. He always had different ones. But in complacency, the ones that probably can't may struggle, think, no, I can't do this again having won the treble, are probably the ones who want to leave. So Exactly. <laughs> it, yeah, might yeah, yeah. Sort, it might sort itself out on, in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, gentlemen, is there anything else that you'd you'd like to touch upon before I wrap this up? Um, apart from the Community Shield being a, a genuinely legitimate title, no, I think I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> very important title. Very, yeah. very important title. Yeah, we keep saying things will move in the transfer market and they still don't, but hey, I think... I think there's going to be deadlines soon, and in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to have a very good thorough, more yeah. deeper talk about I've, the squad. I'll, let me ask you about uh, this. Is short or nothing's question. happened? Yeah, yeah. This is a short question; only requires a short answer. A lot of people around me are saying that City are going to do one more big move. Everybody around me, m- most people around me, are saying City are going to do one more big move. You, you wait. And, everybody's like, you wait and see, Asan. Like they're, they're going to they're going to pull a rabbit out of a hat here. Um, and not that we need a rabbit be pulled, being pulled out of a hat. Um, I, I, I find myself 
less sure about that with each passing day, but more to do with not the passing of time, but seeing Bob and McAtee and, and feeling a little bit like maybe there's enough there in the squad for the club not to have to go out and spend big money. Steve, do you think in the end the club will go big once more in this window outside of Guardiola? No, personally, I don't. And I'm basing that purely on instinct. I've got no knowledge of this. You know, it is purely my my personal instinct. I intuitively, from a gut, feel like that that's not going to happen. Um, you know, I may well be proven wrong, but it just doesn't feel like that kind of summer. It doesn't feel like that's going to happen. Um, but just balancing that out, they've done it before, haven't they? So who's to say they won't again? Um, we They are so good at keeping it all quiet and then suddenly just springing this big big transfer from nowhere. Um, they're very exceptional at that. So who's to say that doesn't happen? If Bernardo stays, I don't think so, no. I think someone like Elise is the sort of level that might happen. Yeah. yeah. And I guess you wouldn't call that a big, you know, spectacular signing. But a sensible one, perhaps. You know, the one when I first saw his name, I went, I mean, working hamstrings, you know, <laughs> apart. When I first saw it, I went, huh? And then I thought about it and went, actually, that makes sense. So, you know, I don't think he'd count quite as the project that you'd fear, hey, Sam, because he has, you know, he's a bit beyond, I say he's a year beyond being a project. I think he's got enough experience, even though he's not Mares ready or something like that. I think they do, that's just a name anyway, just, you know, bookmark name. I think it'd be something like that rather than, no, let's go and spend £80 million on, let's uh, try and talk to Napoli about their Georgian left winger or something like that. <laughs> no, I think it'd be something a bit, a bit Premier League ready, but lower fee. Again, not spectacular, but adding to the squad type transfer if lovely. any if any lovely well i'm going to end this podcast with a message for cheeky bagaristine leroy sane wants to come home just bring him home mate bring him home we all want it leroy wants it you know pep <laughs> wants it too we've all seen the videos just make it happen steve thank you very much pleasure man. pleasure mr hawking thank you very much Enjoyed that. If you want to do a separate Sane debate podcast, I'm well up for that. <laughs> is it going to be like the debates about whether the Charity Shield is a real title? Because those <laughs> that's not the kind of debate I want to have. No. Because um, well, yeah, yes, it is actually going to be just like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, for everything in life, there is always an exception to the rule, and they mm. say never go back. But I'll say it, Leroy Sane is the exception to that rule. Bring him back. He's a better footballer than he was when he left. And he's more humble and he wants to come home. Anyway, Mr. Hawking, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. It was a Friday show on the Night 320 podcast. If you're not a member of the Night 320 player and you're wondering what that is, that is basically this, but all week. So you get podcasts almost every day, city-related. We have Premier League podcasts plenty of stuff so if you're interested go to our twitter account go to our website check it out and sign up in the meantime be safe be well enjoy your weekend and as always up the treble winning blues